There's a new, utterly astonishing bombshell of a devastating revelation in the impeachment trial of Donald Trump for whatever the hell he's accused of doing. The explosion of the bombshell was so loud that many people watching the trial were nearly awakened by the noise and realized they dozed off and missed the end of Blue Bloods. The bombshell came in the form of an unpublished memoir by a guy standing on the corner of 6th Avenue wearing a raincoat and a fake mustache and swearing up and down he's not James Comey in disguise, but someone much more honest who can be totally trusted. In his memoir, the man who isn't Comey, but trustworthy instead, says he has video of Donald Trump grabbing Joe Biden by the ankles, turning him upside down, and shaking him until millions of dollars in Russian rubles fell out of his pocket some of which were being gripped in the hand of Hunter Biden, who also fell out of his father's pocket, where he'd been living for the past 15 months on a small salary of $175,000 a week. According to totally objective reporters at the Washington Post, where democracy dies in darkness on account of being strangled by reporters at the Washington Post, the new video described in the unpublished memoir by the disguised man who says he's not James Comey is absolute proof positive that President Trump is completely and totally guilty of whatever they're accusing him of this time. Democrats immediately demanded that witnesses be called who would condemn President Trump and that no witnesses be called who would not condemn President Trump because that would not be fair. Republicans countered that Democrats should go away and stop bothering people because it's just getting annoying. Hillary Clinton, in Cannes to promote her new 27-hour documentary entitled Why I Lost, said this new bombshell was as jolting as the 15th glass of Chardonnay or maybe even the 16th, she couldn't be sure until she finished drinking it. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. You know, one of the reasons I always listen to this show is, well, because I'm here, so I haven't got much choice, but also because you get tomorrow's news today. From the very second this stupid Ukraine impeachment sham began, I've been saying that the guy who was going to get caught in the ringer was Joe Biden, and that's what's happening now. That's not what you're hearing now, however. What you're hearing is that there's a new Democrat-friendly bombshell being released at exactly the right moment to obscure the voices on the right, followed by growing media hysteria about how hysterical we're all supposed to be, and of course Mitt Romney being swept away in the Fuhrer like an 11-year-old girl succumbing to peer pressure to turn on her friends. Where have we seen this before? The real question is, where haven't we seen this before? It's the Kavanaugh technique, the playbook of a comfortably corrupt elite who now openly believe they make the rules rather than the Constitution and that those rules are different for them than they are for us and they can trick us into going along with them. Consider what all these headlines are about. The charge against Donald Trump is that he pressured Ukraine to investigate corruption, including Joe Biden's. All right. We know that using government resources to investigate your political opponents is not a bad thing because Obama did it to Trump and the press has not worked to expose the news. They've worked to suppress and minimize it. And we know spinning foreign policy to aid your political career is not a bad thing because Obama did that, too, with the Russians and was caught on hot mic. Here he is. My last election, please. Yeah. And after my election, I have more flexibility. And again, the media said that was tickety-boo as well. 
In other words, the most outrageous thing we're witnessing right now is the outrage of the Democrats and the establishment media who stood by with great big happy face smiles for eight corrupt and inept Obama years and who now want us to take their moral gravitas seriously as they try to depose the president they don't like. Well, forget it. I mean, how stupid do they think we are? How many times do they think they can con us with this before we get wise? The Russian collusion thing was a hoax. The obstruction of justice thing was a waste of time. Adam Schiff lied about having proof about meeting with the whistleblower. The press has been lying repeatedly about the bombshells and how devastating they are. Enough is just blood enough. Since we have to talk about impeachment, let's talk about what we've really learned here. What we've really learned is that our government and its administrative state and the press, not to mention our entertainers and our universities, are now standing in complete opposition to our people and their freedoms. It's not tyranny exactly. It's just that sort of comfortable corruption that an elite falls into when they're left in power too long. How dare we interrupt them while they're running the country to their benefit? The question this impeachment trial has raised for me is not whether Trump will survive it, but whether he and we can seize the moment and make a change, build a better press, maybe even a better government than the swampy one we've got. The swamp is not being drained, but it is being exposed, which makes this a moment of opportunity if we can only use it. Meanwhile, to all the Democrats and the press and the rest of the elites, impeach this, clowns and pound sand. We'll talk more about this, but first, let us talk about LifeLock, which I am now using, and I'm so happy I am, because you work, you know, you work hard to have a good reputation, you work hard to have good credit, you want to do everything right, you want your information to be kept secure, but you can miss threats to your identity, and people can come and steal your identity and make your life a mess. Even if you're dutifully checking bank statements, monitoring your credit, it's a good thing there's LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to detect your private information on the dark web and other potential identity threats. And if you do have an issue involving identity theft, one of LifeLock's identity restoration specialists will work to fix it, which is really important because once they mess things up, it's really hard to put it back together. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but with LifeLock, you get identity theft protection to help protect your devices against cyber threats for up to 25% off your first year. How do you get it? Just go to lifelock.com slash Clavin. That's lifelock.com slash Clavin for 25% off. And you can go on the dark web and find out how do you spell Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no <laughs> I, was just, I was just about to say, it's amazing. The mailbag's tomorrow. The mailbag is tomorrow. That means that you got to go on dailywire.com and subscribe, and then you can ask me any question you want. You can ask about your personal life. You can ask about religion, politics, all my answers, guaranteed 100% correct, and will change your life. Maybe for the better, maybe it'll just, you know, be a disaster, but we'll find out, we'll find out tomorrow. You will be screaming like that as I answer all your questions. Let me just start by playing this for you, because this is what I want to get at. This is Don Lemon and his panel at CNN talking about that story that Mike Pompeo got angry at a reporter for PBS and yelled at her and said she didn't know how to find Ukraine on a map, which apparently, good for her, she did. This is them discussing that story. He also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that 
that that Donald Trump's a smart one, and they're oh, y'all, y'all y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> you you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my path and your reading. Yeah, you're reading. You know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But by, but by the way, oh my God, my CNN sucks. That's, that's, how, that's how they think about you. They think you're an idiot. You don't know how to spell. You don't know where anything is. You don't know any of the And they're the elites. You're making fun of them, buddy. And that funny accent you have, that funny Southern accent you have for some reason. <laughs> but they're the elites. These are the guys who gave us Barack Obama. They gave us 1% growth after a major, major crash. They gave us, uh, oh my God. You know, Donald Trump's boom would be over by now if... Barack Obama hadn't been so incompetent, he suppressed the economy. Donald Trump is halfway riding on the fact that Obama's economy was so bad that he's still making things better. They gave us that lousy uh, employment. They said it was 5%, but we know it was much higher because most people were just taking part-time jobs. They gave us the IRS silencing opposition. Americans murdered in Benghazi and lying about it while they stood by and did nothing. And the press went by, oh, it's it's scandal-free. He's a scandal-free administration. And now they're making fun of you. They're making fun of you. You're too dumb to spell, to know where Ukraine is on a map. And you elected Donald Trump, who's got the country, the economy going through the roof, who's put an end to ISIS, which Obama let spread like a plague through the Middle East. It's, it is unbelievable, these guys. They sit together and they talk to each other and they don't know any of us and they never talk to us and they think we're idiots and they think they can pull this off. They think they can pull off this con even though they tried three, four, five times before and didn't get away with it. They think this time, this time, they've really, really got us fooled. And that's what the news is all about today. So they're telling us it's all about uh, John Bolton. They're all about these, this uh, book that he's got, an unpublished book that the New York Times got their hands on. And, you know, the first thing is, I want to say this. Some of the uh, Trump camp are attacking John Bolton and they're tweeting out that Bolton's a terrible guy and what a rotten guy and all this stuff. This stuff is Trump's fault, okay? This is the thing I've been telling you about from the beginning, and I've never changed on this, is Trump treats people badly. He treats people badly, and some of these people are deserving of respect. And some of them are not deserving of respect, but if you treat them badly, they come back and bite you. James Comey deserved to be fired, but firing him in public and humiliating him the way he did is why Comey leaked the material that led to the Mueller report and the Mueller investigation. Was that an honest thing to do? Was it a good thing to do? No, no, it wasn't. But all I'm saying is that Trump behaves badly and he treats people badly. And John Bolton is not a bad guy. This idea that just because John Bolton has turned on Trump and he's furious about the way he was kicked out and publicly fired and the way Trump humiliates everybody doesn't make him a bad guy. It just makes him a human being and he's getting his revenge right now. But what is, uh, so again, I'm not attacking, it's, I'm not attacking John Bolton for what he's doing. Trump really needs to clean up his act on this. This is not a way you treat people. It's just not. And it's, it doesn't matter. I think he's doing a great job as president of the United States. That's one of the things that bothers me about it is I don't want the guy to lose the job, the job he's so good at because he treats people badly. It is not I don't care who you are. It is not right to treat people like garbage. It's not right to humiliate them in public. Many of these people 
Rex Tillerson, for instance, Jeff Sessions, for instance, certainly John Bolton. These are people deserving of respect. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like them. You don't have to trust them. You don't have to do anything, but you do have to treat them like human beings because that's the way you want to be treated. And Trump is the first guy to jump down people's throats when they attack him. So he's, he's, this is a thing that is coming back on him. However, what is the story that they're selling? This is like the New York Times. I'll just read this. President Trump told his national security advisor in August that he wanted to continue freezing $391 million in security assistance to Ukraine until officials there helped with investigations into Democrats, including the Bidens. Now, we don't know. Nobody, the White House says they've read the book now, I think, but we haven't seen the book. We don't know exactly what uh, this means. I mean, for instance, well, here's Trump talking about this. Here's Trump defending himself. Well, I haven't seen a manuscript, but uh, I can tell you nothing was ever said to John Bolton, but I have not seen a manuscript. I guess he's writing a book. I have not seen it. So for all we know, I mean, in fact, this is essentially the case. For all we know, Donald Trump said these guys are so corrupt. Before we give money to Ukraine, we should investigate all these guys, including Joe Biden. That's what it sounds like he was saying to me. And that to me is not you say that's a quid pro quo. That's a perfectly rational, decent quid pro quo. He had every right to do this. This trial, this impeachment has always been about his motives. His motives are completely defensible. And if they're not defensible, unless he said to somebody, boy, oh boy, then I'll win the election against Sleepy Joe. You know, that's what I need. Otherwise, that Joe is really, I'm terrified of Joe, you know, so let's get, let's move heaven and earth to investigate him. I don't think so. I don't think so. You got to prove that he did that and they can't prove it. Of course they can't. So the, the point is that the Bidens, the way Bidens, the Bidens acted in Ukraine was not just, didn't just make them look corrupt. It made Obama look corrupt. Obama knew this was going on. Here's Pan, Pat Bondi, uh, one of the defenders, um, is talking about talking about how they behaved in Ukraine. Pamba. Burisma was so corrupt that George Kent said he intervened to prevent USAID from co-sponsoring an, a, an event with Burisma. You know what this event was? It was a child's contest. So Hunter Biden has paid over $83,000 a month. Hunter Biden had no experience in natural gas, no experience in the energy sector, no experience with Ukrainian regulatory affairs. As far as we know, he doesn't speak Ukrainian. ABC, Good Morning America, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Ukrainian law enforcement, and the Obama State Department itself. They all thought there was cause to raise the issue about the Bidens, and Burisma. This was a big, big deal. And by the way, this leak about Bolton, which again, if you look at it the right way, it exonerates Trump in a lot of ways. I mean, all this says is that Trump wanted corruption investigated in Ukraine. The whole idea that it doesn't exonerate him, the whole idea that it condemns him in some way, that now we need witnesses. The Democrats don't want witnesses either, by the way. What they want to do is make it really look bad for Mitch McConnell if he says no witnesses, right? Because they keep saying we want we want witnesses, but not those, not Hunter Biden. We don't want Hunter Biden. Well, once you accuse Trump of doing this, once you have uh, Bolton come on and say, yeah, you know, he, he did say he wanted the investigation, then the defenders have the right to say, well, let's find out, was there something to investigate? Was he right to get something to investigate? And, and you know, it, Ted Cruz went out and was explaining this to the press. 
And it's a really interesting, the, the video goes on for like five minutes, so I, I can't play the whole thing. But they do what they always do when somebody is articulately defending Trump or Trump is defending himself. They keep interrupting him and he keeps stopping and saying, no, let me answer the question. But here's just a cut of, of Cruz explaining to the press why this Bolton thing is not bad, really bad for Trump. I don't know what John Bolton's book says or doesn't say. I've seen the New York Times coverage, but at the end of the day, it doesn't impact the legal issue before this Senate. The legal issue before this Senate is whether a president has the authority to investigate corruption. So the House managers built their entire case on the proposition that investigating Burisma corruption, investigating the, uh, the Bidens for corruption was baseless and a sham. Hold, hold on, let me finish this. Let, let, uh, no, I'm going to finish my point and then I'm happy to answer your question. The House managers base their entire case on the proposition that investigating corruption for Burisma and concerning the Bidens was baseless and a sham. That proposition is absurd. We've just seen, they said there wasn't a shred of evidence concerning corruption. We've just seen two hours of evidence. And at a minimum, it was not only reasonable and justified, but the president, I think, had an obligation to investigate corruption that potentially extended to the very highest levels of government. Ted Cruz, right, who has no reason to love Donald Trump. Donald Trump said terrible things about him during the campaign. He's just making the case that it is completely defensible for Trump to have done what he's done. And unless you can prove that he did it purely for political reasons or even at all for political reasons, you got nothing. And here's here's the other thing. I want to play the question that the reporter asked him. You can hear them trying to cut him off. Play the next uh, cut of what the reporter what the reporter asked him. Hunter Biden got a job. That was vice president. If, if that's a crime, I mean, shouldn't half of your children be in prison? My, my children are nine and eleven. I'm sorry that you want to throw a nine-year-old in prison, but at this point, my, my my third grader plays basketball and softball at her school. So so stop playing the nasty. No, no, stop playing the na- nasty Washington game. I'm sorry, that's not nasty Washington game. Attacking a nine-year-old? Senator, I have no idea. See the thing, oh, man. <laughs> see, the thing is, the thing is, it's not that he's attacking a nine-year-old. Cruz is just giving him a hard time. But where is his intellectual curiosity, right? Hunter Biden gets a job he's completely unqualified for. He's making 80 grand a month, which is almost what I make. And, and that, there's no corruption there. Obama was worried there was corruption there. There was a, a uh, when the Ukrainian ambassador who got fired uh, was being briefed for her confirmation hearings. They told her all about uh, Burisma, that you've got to be able to defend Burisma. They knew, they knew, and it, but it, it implicates the entire administration. Nothing. Scandal-free. Scandal-free. That is the real problem here. The real problem here is a press that suddenly becomes absolutely quiescent when the corruption is on the other side, becomes absolutely incurious, doesn't want to know. And this is the thing. How, how stupid do they think we are? Don't they think we see them? They don't. They don't because they're hidden away within themselves, so they think we can't see them either. Let us talk about car insurance. you got to have car insurance, especially if you live out here in California. Eh? And if you want to, the thing about car insurance is you don't want to have to pay for other people's bad driving. You only want to have to pay for how you drive, not 
who you are. And so you're in luck. Root Insurance developed a mobile app that measures driving behavior. And by removing bad drivers from the equation, Root saved good drivers up to 52% in 2019. Okay. All you have to do is download the Root Insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and see how much you can save. So don't wait to give Root a try. Again, you can save up to 52%. On car insurance, if you drive well, head to your app store, download the Root Insurance app, and sign up in less than a minute to start your test drive today. That's R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app today or visit joinroot.com to learn more and see how much you could save. This is not available in all states. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details. So let's talk about the press because this is the important thing, right? The press is so much a part of this, and, and, and here's why. The press is dishonest. It's corrupt and one-sided. And the fact that they can sit there and be shocked when Republican officials take after them, when Mike Pompeo yells at somebody, or when a, a congresswoman or a senator says, you know, you're a liberal hack, and tells them and won't answer their question, suddenly they're shocked. Jake Tapper is so shocked. Jake Tapper, who works for CNN, a left-wing a propaganda machine is suddenly shocked, shocked that anybody could question his integrity. So I just want to play, I want to play Terry Moran, the way he's covering this guy. He's a correspondent, top correspondent for ABC News, right? Now remember, ABC News, where the news department is run, it's always worth going back to this, by George Stephanopoulos. George Stephanopoulos used to silence women who complained about Clinton attacking them and exposing himself to them and, and chasing them around the room and raping them. His job, George Stephanopoulos' job, was to keep that out of the press. They called That was before Me Too, so they called them bimbo eruptions. Women who were abused or said they were abused by Bill Clinton, George Stephanopoulos' job was to silence them. George Stephanopoulos works for ABC News. We know through Project Veritas that ABC News spiked the Jeffrey Epstein story during the Hillary Clinton campaign. Jeffrey Epstein, friend of Bill Clinton and uh, formerly alive uh, pedophile and and abuser of women and trafficker in women. That story got Not one reporter has gone up to George Stephanopoulos, not one, and say, George, you know, you used to silence women for Bill Clinton. We know that ABC spiked the Jeffrey Epstein story during the Hillary Clinton. How much did you know about that? Not one reporter. In fact, CBS helped track down who they thought was the person who released the tape to Project Veritas. That's how corrupt these people are. I keep telling the story because you've got to remember when you're looking at them with their ties and their suits and their jackets and their earnest faces, looking in their camera, that's who you're looking at. You're looking at a guy who silenced women, working for a TV uh, show that silenced women, that covered up for a pedophile during a Clinton, uh, another Clinton campaign, and nobody, you're looking at reporters, not one of whom, not one of whom has asked George Stephanopoulos what he had to do with it. And this is the thing. It's not, it's, uh, you know, you don't even have to defend Trump. It's not who Trump is. It's who they are. They may be more polite than he is. He may be more rough around the edges. He may say things that they don't say, but that's who they are. So listen to Terry Moran talking about Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, a liar. We know he's lied multiple times. Listening to Terry Moran describe Adam Schiff's closing arguments against Trump. 
That's exactly what I think we just saw for the past couple of hours, two and a half hours. Is Adam Schiff addressing the Senate sitting as a court of impeachment with a proper legal argument? It was meticulous and well-organized. It was grounded in evidence, which he recited and arranged, as you said, in a comprehensive narrative. At times, he tried to rise to a level of eloquence and stir a sense of responsibility for the Senate. We heard him again and again talk about the responsibility to future times, that what is done here will have an impact generations to come on the delicate balances in the Constitution, on the power of the president and the Congress and how uh, they have been arranged up until now. At one point saying that if the Senate rejects the Democrats' case, that the president abused his power, quote, we will write the history of our decline with our own hands. That's just total bull****. Man. <laughs> there, there is Terry Moran talking to former Clinton aide uh, George Stephanopoulos on the station where they ditched the Jeffrey Epstein story, probably or at least suspiciously enough, uh, allegedly to protect Hillary Clinton. There, there they are talking about Adam Schiff spokesman for history. It was almost as if Adam Schiff were just the incarnation of American history speaking to us in this moment. Now Ken Starr gets up on the president's defense team and he makes his case and people were making fun of Ken Starr because Ken Starr said, you know, this is a ridiculous thing to impeach people for. And everybody said, well, who started this by you? You were the one who impeached Bill Clinton. So here is Terry Moran covering uh, Ken Starr. I thought the most impressive aspect of Ken Starr's presentation there was the fact that he could keep a straight face through it uh, because he was the leader and instigator of the Clinton impeachment. An impeachment, he talked uh, today about how impeachment needs a national consensus. Sixty percent of Americans opposed the impeachment of President Bill Clinton, uh, which was over a sexual relationship with a young woman and his lying about it. Uh, apparently, Ken Starr thinks that is a, a legitimate reason to impeach a president of the United States. But the, what is alleged here, the use of presidential power to muscle a foreign government, to investigate an American citizen who happens to be the president's political rival, that that's illegitimate. It was it was an achievement for him uh, to, to get through that. And he talked about uh, essentially that impeachment also, in his mind, should be a, a violation of established law. That was a slippery term, I thought. <laughs> Stop lying. I said he's talking to George Stephanopoulos. He's saying it wasn't a big deal. He committed perjury while he was banging a girl old enough to be his daughter, young enough to be his daughter in the Oval Office, where Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush wouldn't even take off their ties. And he was banging the White House. And he's talking to George Stephanopoulos, who helped silence it. It is this comfortably corrupt elite sitting there talking to itself and hoping we're too stupid to see who they are. It is unbelievable. And he, he says, oh, it's nothing. It's nothing that the president of the United States I mean, people were, you know, you got to think back if you're too young to remember, people were absolutely destroyed that the president of the United States was receiving oral sex from a girl young enough to be his daughter in the people's house, in the people's office while he was on duty as president of the United States. That was an incredible bring down. They didn't know about Kennedy doing what he did. They didn't know about LBJ doing. They didn't know that this is what Democrats do, apparently. But listen now, Terry Moran, once again. Listen now to Terry Moran comparing the Republicans to the great, the noble, the absolutely historical Adam Schiff. We're seeing a 
clash of cultures that is going to be uh, right through this trial. Uh, here is an argument made by Adam Schiff in a classic legal fashion, even rising to the level of senatorial eloquence, if there is such a thing. In contrast to the rhetoric that we live with every day, the, the kind of brash and proudly profane Trumpian rhetoric where argument consists essentially of gainsaying uh, your opponent or calling them names, uh, Rethuglican or Democrat or whatever, that now passes in many, many areas of our life uh, as sufficient, sufficient to resolve difficult questions of policy. This is a test of that older way of, of resolving issues, the older style of argument that we just listened to for two and a half hours, and the bullet-fast, bullet-hard argument uh, that is championed more than anyone in our public life by the president who is being impeached. <laughs> that is not correct. It is unbelievable what he just said. What he said is, oh, you know, listen to the way Donald Trump and the Republicans and all those people, those, oh, these arguments that they make where they call people names, the way they bring down the conversation. It's disgusting. Oh, it's oh, but but, you know, t taking a girl who's young enough to be your daughter when you are the most powerful man on Earth and she has no power and committing adultery with her in the Oval Office. That's not a big thing. If it were a big thing, he wouldn't be talking to the guy who helped silence the women that president abused. It's is unbelievable that they don't see themselves. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. They silence you. They laugh at you. We saw it on CNN laughing at you. They call you a racist. They call you a sexist. If you want to protect your country, you're an Islamophobe. And when you fight back against being called all those names, then you're not civil. Then you're not civil. Until finally you get so angry, you're like, give me Donald Trump so I can have somebody who will fight back and scream at them. And he screams at them and they say, oh, you know, he's really bringing everything down. He's really bringing everything down. Talk about slippery. These slimy, corrupt people just sitting there in the comfort of their corruption. You know, they can wander over to NBC where Matt Lauer uh, was banging everything in sight while they were covering up for Harvey Weinstein. You know, they're just so comfortable in, in their corruption. They think we don't see them and they think their moral gravitas and their shock and being appalled at Donald Trump and being appalled at us and laughing at us, they think we're dumb enough to fall for it. I don't even think we're having the right conversation in this country. I don't even think we should be talking about John Bolton. We should be talking about them. That's where the corruption lies. Hey, you know, if you want to be bald like me, you have to be Lord of the Multiverse. If you're just a human being, you want to keep your hair. It's important because you want to look good and two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. Do you want that to happen to you? Do you want to look like me? Look at me! Look at me! Do you want to look like this? Of course not. With today's advancements in science, keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and help you keep the hair you have. At half the cost of your local pharmacy, you don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. Plus, Keeps now offers a prescription shampoo to keep your scalp your scalp healthy too. Hey, I could use that. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. Thanks to Keeps, you no longer have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. You can visit a doctor online and get your hair loss medication delivered to your home. Keeps treatments start at just 10 bucks a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash Clavin to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Clavin. You know how to spell keeps, but how do you spell Clavin? There are no easy <laughs> That is exactly right. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So 
Let's talk about, we've been talking about abortion all week, and we've been talking about the fact that since the passing of Roe v. Wade, over 60 million preborn children have been killed in the womb. This really is a disturbing statistic because you cannot see it. You can just completely ignore it and say, hey, everything's going great. You know, the economy's great and all this, but all this is happening every day. And it's, it's just a, a, an absolute tragedy. And the, and the young women, the moms who have been harmed physically and emotionally by going through the abortion process. Now, when Ben went to the March for Life, uh, you remember this, he was speaking live at the March for Life, and a lot of our advertisers were targeted by left-wing, what they call media watchdogs. They're just absolute, you know, they do nothing, but they try and silence us. They don't create anything, but they try to silence us. We lost revenue because some of our sponsors got scared and and they shut down. And we are not the only targets. Live Action, our friends at Live Action who fight for life, they are one of the biggest voices in the pro-life movement, and they continue to do some of the most important work in the space, and they've been banned from advertising on Twitter uh, for their calls to defund Planned Parenthood. They've been banned from Pinterest altogether for, quote, spreading medical misinformation, namely the truth. They've also seen their advertising efforts and their online distribution restricted depending on the platform. And that's why our DailyWire.com members are so important, because you give us dough, so that helps us stay on the air when our sponsors bug out. And that's why now, until January 31st, a portion of any DailyWire.com membership will be donated to Live Action with the promo code LIVEACTION, all one word, to support awareness and education around the world on this issue. So join DailyWire.com and make your pro-life voice heard. we got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube, but come to dailywire.com and subscribe because tomorrow is the mailbag and you want to get your questions in for so all your problems can be solved. All right. You know, one of the things I'm really concerned about is Texas, because a lot of people are leaving California and moving to Texas because Texas is a well-run state. And I'm afraid they're going to bring California values to Texas and ruin the place. John Francis is a friend of mine and a friend of this uh, programs and this place. Uh, He's a Texas businessman and finance director for a family-owned real estate company, and he's filed to run as a Republican on the March 3rd, 2020 primary ticket for the Texas House District 60 seat. So I wanted to talk to him about what's going on in Texas and what he hopes to accomplish. Here's the interview. John Francis, welcome to California. Thank you. (laughs) It's got to be a real fall from grace to come from Texas to California. It's it's not a good thing. No, it's not. I'm glad to be here for just a short period of time. (laughs) So you are running. I'm shocked to hear this. You are running for the Texas House. Yeah. You have a good life. Why would you enter politics? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, You know, the bottom line is that I'm in such a conservative area of Texas that uh, you know, our, our current representative is conservative, but he decided not to run for re-election. And it was only after that that he got out that I decided to get in. And the reason is that we, we need to make sure that we have somebody that's willing to fight for our values. And I don't have any strings attached to me. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm a conservative warrior. And uh, the reality is we need somebody that's willing to fight for us. And that's why I'm that's why I'm running. This is the thing. Those of us who, especially in California, but I think a lot of conservatives around the country, were watching Texas with bated breath. I mean, Texas has been so successful. If 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 there had been no Texas, the Obama administration would have been revealed for the sort of jobless carnival it was. But right. Texas remained an you know an engine of job creation. So all the people are, people are leaving California. Right. And they're going to Texas. And we're afraid that they're going to turn Texas into California. Is it's, that actually a threat? It's terrifying. Is it? Absolutely. Yeah. 
So it, it's scary that people are, you know, they're coming from an area that is depressed and they're going into an area that's prosperous and, and they need to know why. Why are we prosperous? And the answer is that it's the free market. So the less government you have, the more freedom you have, and the more uh, you're able to do well. And it's just that simple. And so it's scary to me to have, you know, people coming in and bringing their values with them. It's kind of like if you were moving from a socialist, you know, Venezuela or whatever, and come into the U.S., don't bring your politics with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, are you, are you worried about it? Do you think, I mean... Oh, yeah, I am. I, I'm, I am worried about it because, you know, the bottom line is we've got so many people out there that are uh, young people that have been misled and have not been educated about why are Judeo-Christian values superior and why are free market principles superior. And they need to know these, they need to know why, it, and they haven't been taught that in school, they haven't been taught that by, certainly not at the, at the university level, and it's a terrifying thing. They, that's the reason that Prager University has been so successful, mm. because they're teaching young people why are these values superior, and they have to know that. We have to focus on that, or we're gonna lose, we're gonna not only lose Texas, we're gonna lose the nation. Yeah, the, the, one of the things that people don't know about Texas is that the House, their government doesn't meet all that often, does it? No, it doesn't, it's only every, uh, it's every two years we're in session, and uh, for six months, and uh, but that's the way it ought to be. That's what I was it's gonna a, say, if part, we could export part, that to Washington, D.C. That'd, that'd be good, yeah. <laughs> I've had the thought that maybe we should move uh, the capital, just randomly move it to different parts of the country <laughs> so it keeps them on their toes. So obviously the big national issue in Texas is the border. I mean, that is the, the biggest thing. How is that going? I mean, I keep hearing, and you know, my friend Ann Coulter is always hammering Trump about this because he hasn't built the wall yet. How is it really going down there? So the reality is that building the wall is absolutely critical. It's an open border practically. And, and it's a scary thing, and it's, it, if, we don't have a, if we don't build the wall, we do not have a country. It's mm -hmm. just that simple. And, you know, the thing that's upsetting about it to me is that you have people that are coming to this country illegally, and they're able to get uh, taxpayer uh, subsidies, uh, and, I th and we need to end it. We need to stop it. That's the reason that they're coming. Uh, I'm, I'm for uh, President Trump and, and actually building the wall. I mean, how many, for how many decades have we been told, yeah, we're going to secure the border. We're going to se secure the border, and they never do. And I'm sick and tired of it. And I think all of the all the people in my district, I'm in, you know, we voted 80% for Donald Trump. And I'm just telling you that it's a it's a huge issue. Every single voter is telling me, make sure to secure the border. So, you know, the state government can do a lot to help out in that situation. They fund it to the tune of $800 million every session, so every two years, to help the DPS, uh, Department of Public Safety, to, to try to help. Uh, but the reality is it's a, it's a federal issue. Um, and we just... We've got to build the wall. It, it literally is just that simple. I, I feel like that, you know, it's kind of an immoral situation, too, where you have uh, illegal immigrants that come in, and they're, for, just for one example, so they get in-state tuition. So what that means, effectively, is that if you're from Oklahoma, you're a U.S. citizen from Oklahoma, you have to pay out-of-state tuition. Mm. If you're an illegal immigrant from Mexico, you get in-state tuition. I really? think it's immoral. So we need to stop it. Yeah. I mean, is that something that now that sounds like something the state can, can yeah. control? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. So when you watch one of the things that really interests me, I mean, I, I've been on, in coastal cities my whole life. I've lived in New York. I've lived in L.A. I've lived in London, you know, and so I'm kind of used to the coast, coastal people. Right. When I watch TV, I know those guys. I know who they are. I know why they think the way they do. When you look at television and you see the comedians all hammering Trump, and you see the news. If you watch television, I mean, I don't even know if you watch I don't watch TV. You don't watch it I've, at all. I've turned it off because I can't stand it. You and i got to yeah. tell you, there's so many people that are just so fed up with everything that's happening. It's a waste of time, and it's just propaganda, and I turn it off. Wow. I mean, it, you just disconnect completely. Absolutely. You go to the movies? 
Yeah, we go to the movies. Uh, do, do you ever go to the movies <laughs> and sit there and think like these people are crazy or do the, do the movies have something closer to your values? Uh, depends on what movie you're talking about. I mean, there's there's not very much. You know, here's the bottom line. The culture is so important. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that's, you. That's it, why it, I'm asking. It's, yeah. it's, it's where it's at. And if we don't, if we don't connect with people culturally, uh, we're going to lose this country. And so, you know, it, I look at I look at how many people are voting for Bernie Sanders, young people, and it's terrifying to me because they they don't they haven't been taught the value system. And really, it's because of the it's because of the movies. It's because of the TV. And and that's what they've learned from the time they're you know little little children. And that's another reason that I'm terrified of. You know, you hear all these efforts to try to get to your children even earlier. So now they're doing pre-pre-K. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, from the time they're born, boom, we want to start teaching them about big government. And I think it's, it's terrifying. So one of the things that has happened because of this, because of mass communication, is a lot of people focus on the federal government instead of local government. Right. So what are, what are the issues that are bothering the people in your district? Well, the biggest issue right now is just uh, the fact that it's such a sham with the impeachment I mean, I, I literally have been knocking on doors like a madman, you know, in this in this campaign, and I can't tell you the number of people that I've that I've talked to. They, there's there's a, a woman. She's 97 years old. She comes to the door, and she is just fiery mad. <laughs> I mean, she, really? I'm really? not kidding. She, yeah. I mean, it was almost scary. She come come to the door. She opens the door. She says, "I want you to know," she said, "they're not demeaning the man." She said, "they are demeaning the." presidency, the office of the presidency, and I am ticked off. Really? I mean, just fire in her eyes. These people are upset about it. And of course, our this district in Texas, the rural parts of Texas are uh, extremely pro-Trump. And, you know, the bottom line is that we need less government and we need more freedom. Yeah. And, you know, across the board, and it's better for business and it's better for the citizens. And, you know, no one is against uh, against having legal immigration. If you're coming into the country and you're a productive person, uh, but the whole idea of having illegal immigration is just—it's anathema to the to the to the state, and I think it's I think it's super important. What about guns? When you look at the, what's happening in Virginia, and uh, you know, one of one of the problems with the gun issue is that there are laws that make sense to people, but we know that the Democrats want to take our guns away. Oh, we, they say it out loud, you know. So Texas is a state famous for people being strapped. I mean, it's famous for people Absolutely. being armed. Yeah. And I'd be armed right now if I didn't have to go through LAX. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you a story. I got to, I got to meet Jack Wilson. Mm. Uh, this was at one of my very this first- This is the guy who stopped the, the church shooting. That's right. Yeah. yeah in, in Fort Worth and in White Settlement. Anyway, but I, I met him, and you know, he, he and I talked about the importance of the Second Amendment, and I, I told him I'm on my church security team, and he told me that he's the team. This was the week before he shot that man. And by the way, the guy was a uh, he was adjudicated mentally incompetent. Mm-hmm. He should never have had a gun. In other words, he was illegal. Right. The gun itself was legal, but he should not have had that gun uh, legally. So in other words, people are going to get the, the criminals are going to get the guns regardless. So what I'm tired of is. When the government comes in and they're trying so desperately to take guns away from law-abiding citizens, you're right. They want to take our guns, yeah. period. Yeah. And the reason they want to take your gun is because they don't like the fact that that is the ultimate check and balance of a free citizenship and, and citizenry. And anyway, it's terrifying to me. Yeah. So we need to, we need to actually fight back as hard as the left pushes to take our guns. We need to be making sure that we're not allowing them any, uh, any quarter whatsoever on that issue. It's so important. Last question. You, I'm going to assume you're going to win because obviously you got what it takes. <laughs> well, I hope so. If you're going to uh, be in the government 
once every two years for six months. Do you essentially maintain your life as it is? Oh, yeah. So you can still continue to work and... Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to continue having my full-time job. And, of course, I'll, you know, I'll be going... Uh, the reality is it, it's not a full-time job, but at the same time, it is a full-time mm-hmm. job, too. So, but, there, but, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maintain the job that I have right now, and, uh, and I'm going to do this in addition. It's a much saner way to run the government. I agree. Well, John, it's great to see you, and I wish you the best of luck. I'd let me know what happens. I will. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> Thank for having me on. It's Thank you for coming you. on. All right. Uh, you know, it's, if we leave, lose Texas, we really do uh, lose the country. And I, I have to say, when you look back at the Obama administration, almost all of their job numbers were better than they should have been because of Texas. Well, Texas, the one place that fought them off, uh, you know, the one place that fought off the policies of the Obama administration that deadened the economy and took the steam out of, uh, you know, the, the joy and the steam and the competitiveness out of American business. All of those things were ignored by Texas, and that's what kept the Obama economy alive. I want to end with a final reflection about uh, the movie Bombshell. I've mentioned before that the Roger Ailes sex abuse case has been the subject of two different films, one on TV and one in, in this film, Bombshell. And what's really fascinating, Christian Toto, our friend over at Hollywood in Toto, T-O-T-O, he talks about the fact that the critics, when the Roger Ailes story was told, said they couldn't sympathize with these women uh, who were being abused by Roger Ailes because they worked for Fox News. So they themselves were evil. Uh, You know, the one one reviewer said the film never really confronts the conundrum of wanting us to root for outright villains just because their superiors were worse. The women who were abused at Fox News were outright villains because they worked for Fox News. This is the way they think about us. And this is the thing that makes Trump, is, puts us in this conundrum with Trump, is that we sent Trump because we needed somebody who was crazy enough and loud enough and pugilistic enough to fight back. But those things alienate a lot of independence. And so he may lose for the very reasons we sent him. The very reasons he won may make him lose, may hurt him in the long run. And that is a conundrum that we live with in the empire of lies. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Mailbag tomorrow. All your questions answered, all your problems solved right in now. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Syabitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. On the Matt Wall Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.